So I began studying and reading and, and, and trying to figure out uh, exactly where to go with this, and I found these verses in Philippians. Before I read those verses, I want to tell you a, a little. I, I went on uh, YouTube this week to watch this clip again because it had been a while. I wanted to make sure I had all the details right. How many of you remember Who Wants to Be a Millionaire with Regis Philbin? Okay, I remember many years ago, uh, there was a, a guy who came on there, and no one had ever won the million-dollar prize, okay? And I remember watching people go on there. You remember they had lifelines? You know, you could 50-50 take away two wrong answers. You could, you could ask the crowd or you could phone a friend. This guy made it all the way through this game show answering every question right. He, he had already won the $500,000 level, and he had to decide, was he going to risk it and go for a million or walk away? Now, one person had made it that far, and they walked away with half a million dollars. And this guy's like, I'm going for the million dollars. And Regis says, okay, you have all your lifelines left. Here's your question. And it was, which president appeared on Laugh-In? Okay, and so he gave him the four options, and the guy goes, I think I want to use a lifeline. He said, okay. He said, I want to call my parents. I want to call my dad, Tom. And so they called Tom on the phone, and Regis explains what's going on. And, and he, he says, all right, now ask your dad the question so he can answer it for you. The guy goes, dad, I don't really need your help. I already know the answer. I just wanted to call you and tell you I'm fixing to win a million dollars. He goes, the final answer is B, Richard Nixon. And Regis about falls out of the chair. And he won the prize, a million dollars. What a night. Now, I look at that, I watch it, and I go, you know, if that was me, I'd have answered wrong, and I'd have been so embarrassed. But this guy won the prize. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 1. Paul says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But, whoever, uh, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. This is in your bulletin there. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I press on 
for the prize. Why do game shows make the prize a million dollars? How many of you would say, nah, I don't really want to be a millionaire? Anybody? I was thinking about that. The only people that would probably say that would be a billionaire, right? They don't want to go backwards. There's a prize out there. There's something out there that's better than what we have, and we all want something more. It's human nature to not be satisfied with what we have. Why do you think people got on ships and began crossing oceans to new worlds? There's something more. There's a prize out there to be gained. And Paul says, we as the church, we as those who serve God, have a prize to pursue. The series has been Ready, Set, Go. This morning, I'm calling you to pursue the prize. So as I was looking at the scriptures I just read, I had three questions that kind of came to mind as I was reading this. And the first question that I really got to thinking about was, is what I have right now as good as it gets for me? This past weekend, we had lots of kids graduating high school. We had uh, college graduations the last couple of weeks. I was happy to, to, to make it to graduation. I'm thankful for the people that helped me get there. Mike, you expressed your appreciation for the people who helped your son get to, to the point of graduation. Is he done? <laughs> yeah. It's not free anymore. How many of you have set a goal in your life? When I grow up, I want to be this. I can't wait until I do this. These, these students have just finished high school. Oh, I can't wait till I graduate high school. I'll be so free. How many of you would give up so much just to be able to go back to how careless you could be in high school? You say, I, I can't wait till I get married and I have kids. You got a bouncing little baby boy there. He's not walking yet. You could still catch him. <laughs> it gets harder. I can't wait till I get a real job. Man, I remember what it was like in high school when I could just work 15, 20 hours a week and have spending money for the weekend. Now you got bills, you got things going on. You can't wait till you have a family. You can't wait till you start working. Some of you maybe said, I can't wait till I can retire. And retirement seems like it just gets further and further away. Or you finally do retire and you find out that you're busier than you've ever been in your entire life. I've heard that from way too many retirees. You set goals in your life and say, if I can reach these goals, I'll be happy, I'll be successful. I know a guy who, who thought he was going to be a pro ball player. He played high school ball. He played college ball. He got to play for five years for the Miami Dolphins. And you think, wow, a pro ball player, he must be set. This guy has to get up and go to work every single day just to make ends meet. His name's Bud Brown. He's the sheriff's deputy. Great guy. Former Miami Dolphin, he reached a really great goal in life, but it just didn't measure up. We ask the question, is this as good as it gets? What things have you accomplished in your lifetime that just didn't measure up? Paul was writing to us here in Philippians. And he realized that many of the things which he had pursued in his lifetime didn't measure up. Many of the things that he thought would win him the prize just didn't cut it. He gave a long list of qualifications there. 
He said, For it is we who are the circumcision who serve God by a spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for confidence. He said, here's a long list of reasons. He was, he was a Pharisee. He was, he was trained in the law. Basically, he, it was like he had a doctorate of divinity. Okay? He was very highly trained. He was one of those people that when he starts talking, everybody else shut up because they just couldn't get up to his level. He said, I've done all the things. He said, as to the law, I was faultless. But all of those things, Things that I did, none of them measured up. He said, whatever were gains to me now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. All of Paul's goals, everything he had to be confident in, he realized meant nothing without Jesus Christ as the center of his life. This morning, I want us to understand that if the prize that we seek isn't found in the person and work of Jesus Christ, it's not a prize worth pursuing with all of our heart. Our efforts to reach our own goals will prove unrewarding. Paul said in verse 10, I want to know Christ he had done so much better than I've ever been able to do on my own. He had already done better than I. But he said, those things are worth nothing. Those things don't matter now. What I really want is I want to know Christ. And that should be our pursuit. That should be our passion. That should be our goal. When we look at this life and we say, is this as good as it gets? We can say, no, it's not. Because we know that in Christ we have something far, far greater there's nothing wrong with setting goals and achieving them. I hope you graduate. I hope that you get married and have a family. I hope that you find the job that gives you fulfillment. I hope that you're able to retire and live comfortably on it. But none of those things measure up to knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. None of those things measure up to knowing His power at work in your life. It's the only pursuit that is worth our lives. I ask the question, is this as good as it gets? No. There's something greater. Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That is what we, we, we begin to pursue. So then we ask the question, how do I receive this prize? I remember reading a story about Louisville uh, University student Jackson Logsdon. At the halftime of the Cardinals women's basketball game, they called this young man out to the floor and they stood him in half court and they said, here's the ball. If you can take this basketball and you can make a half court shot, you win $38,000. I don't play basketball. I stink at basketball. I, did, I, I had no chance. This young man, half court shot, shoots, makes it. Can you imagine how excited a college student would be? He said, $38,000 would have helped pay off my college loans. I was so excited. But then after the game, they came to him and they said, now listen, we want to make sure you played by the rules. Oh, really? Well, what question do you have? They said, did you ever play high school basketball? Well, yeah, for three years. 
One of the rules was you couldn't have played any kind of organized ball for six years before you took the shot. So he thought he had the prize, made the goal, and they said, I'm sorry, you're disqualified. Paul warned us. He said, not that I've already attained this or arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. I press on towards the prize. I continue to run. So I ask this question. If my plans and goals aren't enough, if the prize is found in Christ Jesus, how do I receive that prize? How do we pursue the prize in Christ Jesus? How do we do this? I would hate to get to the end of my life and find out that everything I spent my life for has been worthless. But in Christ, I have confidence that that's not the thing. The first thing that Paul does is he shows us by example that he presses on to receive the prize. We can't coast across the finish line of life. We have to be actively pursuing. It's not half-hearted effort on Paul's part. If you listen to all the things that Paul did before he knew Christ, imagine how into his faith Paul was after he met Christ. When he says, I press on towards the goal, he doesn't mean I have a gym membership that I use about once a month just to make me feel better about it. Paul's that guy that he's working on it every single day. It's an all-in kind of attitude towards his relationship with Christ. I, I hear that a lot around here, all-in. Is that a Clemson thing? I, I, I'm from Mississippi. I don't, I don't speak tiger, right? We got some Alabama folks here. I know what language y'all speak. But that's the kind of attitude that Paul has. He says, I give everything I have. I press on. I did a little bit of study on that to understand that word. And, and, and the best translation I can give you is this. Relentlessly, passionately pursue. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing that Paul does. I press on. The next thing he says is, I forget what lies behind, and I reach forward to what lies ahead. He says he forgets what lies behind, his successes and his failures, and he strains for what is ahead. How many of you have failures in your life that you wish you could forget, put behind you? I've had some. I've worked pretty hard this last year to overcome one of those. But I can't live my whole life regretting what I've done, and I can't live my whole life uh, uh, on, on things that I've done in the past that are good. I have to keep on working at it. I have to press on, forget what lies behind, reach forward to what lies ahead. We must let go of our hang-ups and hurts as well as our accomplishments and keep on moving forward. Paul was a murderous persecutor of Christ. Okay, he had a lot to let go of, good and bad, but he continued to press on. Then he says, run in such a way as to win the prize. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, he says this, Do you not know that in a race all of the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games 
goes into strict training. They do it to win a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Run in such a way as to win the prize. Run with purpose and determination. Paul says he disciplines himself. He doesn't live life based on how he feels, but rather upon what he knows is right. We live in a world that says, if it feels good, you should be able to do it without judgment. Paul lives in a world where if God says it's good, then I will do it in spite of the judgment of others. Run in such a way as to not be disqualified. This week, Pastor Mike was telling me that he's been doing some physical training with the police department. He's telling me how good he felt the next day. Actually, he's telling me how sore he was. And I said, well, wait till the next time. Doesn't feel all that good sometimes, right? Sometimes we do what's difficult. Sometimes we go through things that seem unpleasant. But when we are faithful to God, those are the times that make us stronger in our faith. Paul knows that a failure to live in discipline can mean that he gets disqualified from the prize. We may not like to think about that as Christians, but the prize only goes to those who finish the race. So how do we run the race to get the prize? A couple verses I found that I think speak to it very well. Psalm 37, 5 and 6 says this, Commit your way to the Lord, trust him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. In 2 Peter 3.11 says, Since all these things are to be destroyed, talking about heaven and earth, what sort of people ought you to be? Live in holy conduct and in godliness. So three ideas there. In Psalms it says, Commit your way to the Lord. So commitment. Trust in Him. And he will do this. And then Peter adds to that, live holy and godly lives. Live a life of wholehearted commitment, in full trust of God, and in holy obedience to his word. And you'll win the prize. Run the race in a way that you don't get disqualified. So that comes to the last question. What exactly is the prize that we receive? I remember when I was a kid, I was probably about eight years old. I loved to skate, you know, roller skating. That was before they had roller blades. I never did figure those things out. Give me a good old-fashioned pair of roller skates, and I can, I, can, I can get around the rink a little bit. My church group, the kids, wanted to go to the skating arena, or the skating rink, and there were two choices in town. And you could go to the carousel, which they had a real nice, smooth, concrete floor, or you could go to Wilson's. Now, what was really fun about Wilson's was it was an old wooden floor, and it was a bit bumpy. <laughs> so it was a little bit of an adventure when you got out there. And we got there, and they said, all right, we're going to have some games and races, and when you win, you can win special lights 
And I was like, oh, oh, I like anything that has batteries and turns on, you know. So a little boy in a flashlight, you know, I've, I've got little ones. They just, they, they burn up all the batteries. They love lights. And I loved lights as a kid. And I was like, I'm going to win this. I'm going to win this. I'm going to win this. And we did all these games, and my team was just smoking it. And we finally won. And, and I was so excited, and I skated to the front of the line. And I said, oh, where's our prize? Where's our prize? He goes, what do you mean? The lights you were going to give us. He said, I didn't say anything about lights. I said bragging rights. It's <laughs> a little bit disappointed. It wasn't the prize I was expecting. So what prize should we expect? What are we really seeking after? Matthew 16. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he'll reward each person according to what they've done. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. There's nothing in this world worth losing your soul. There's no amount of money, $38,000, a million dollars, a billion dollars, no amount of money in this world worth your soul. There's no job in this world worth your soul. There's no house, there's no car, there's no position, there's no influence in this world worth your soul. There's not even a relationship in this world. I was thinking about it this week. There are many people who have given away given up on Christ so that they could have a relationship with someone. Even that's not worth it. Christ said, all those things aren't worth it. But if you will follow me, if you will follow me, take up your cross and follow me, I'll give you a prize that's worth it. In the end, the righteous judge will reward you for what you've done. Nothing in this world is worth as much as the prize that Christ has set before us. We, read a lot, we, we get to read a lot from Paul, and we get to see him at different points in his journey. And one of the interesting things is to look in 2 Timothy when we know that Paul's journey is getting close. Now, we've read from Philippians where he says, I press on. We've read from Corinthians where he said, run the race in such a way as to win the prize. Now we see in 2 Timothy, Paul says this. He writes to his beloved Timothy, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. He said, I have pressed on. I have run the race. I have pursued the prize, and I can almost taste it. It's right there in front of me. Paul would soon lose his life in a Roman execution. Not some comfortable little, you know, not some comfortable, calm, quiet death. It was a violent and difficult one. But he said this, even knowing that was coming, he said, I see that crown of righteousness. I see my reward. For me to live is Christ, he writes. For me to die is gain. He knew 
that to be in the presence of God was the prize worth pursuing. He could only get there through a life of righteous obedience. And that's what he pursued with all his heart. The prize is received when we pursue our God-given purpose with a singular focus. Press on to win the goal. Can you say this morning that your prize is found, as Paul told us, in the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus? What is standing in your way today of receiving that prize? Is there something in your life that needs to change so that you don't get disqualified? And are you actively pursuing that goal? What are you doing to reach that prize? And who are you encouraging to make the journey with you? I want to close with this. I found this verse in Isaiah. It says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the people. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. God is faithful. Pursue his prize so that you can be among the people that the Lord has blessed. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called us to something greater than what this world can offer. We pray that as we pursue you, that we would commit our ways to you, that we would trust you, and that we would live in godly obedience. We thank you for your word. May it have its fruit in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for being here this morning. Uh, Remember, if you want to see Pastor Andre, want to learn more about the the Corner uh, Wesleyan Church in Monk's Corner, he'll be out by the Welcome Center. Go with God's blessing.